me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, or 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've got one, we're going to start off with one verse tonight. We're going to be learning a bunch of different things, so we're going to be going all throughout our, our Bibles this evening. We're going to start off in 1 Timothy, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 7. Paul writes here to Timothy, he said, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Let's read that again together. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. This is a promise that God has given us. And we're going to look at more about that this, this evening. Well, let's go ahead and bow a word of prayer and then we'll dive right in. Father, we do thank you again uh, just for this opportunity to, to open up your word. And we do thank you so much for just uh, the invaluable gift that the word of God is to us, Lord. That it brings comfort when we are troubled. It brings peace when we are afraid. It, um, Lord, I just thank you so much again for your word. And as we look at uh, these scriptures tonight, I do pray that you would comfort some hearts, Lord, that that might be afraid, that might be having some, some times of anxiety, times of uncertainty, Lord. And I just pray that you would give them comfort this evening. And Father, we do thank you again for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we get into the, the message this evening. Uh, the Bible mentions fear and being afraid in over 660 verses in Scripture. Uh, it's an emotion that we all experience often throughout our lives, isn't it? You know, we, we, we feel these times of, of being afraid. Uh, the Bible uses several, several different meanings behind these words. Uh, but the most common meanings are a reverential respect for someone. Often when it says, you know, fear the Lord, uh, that's, that's, that's causing a reverential respect. We're, we're having that proper fear, uh, not living in absolute terror of Him. Uh, though there are times and cases that we need to, because He is God, and He is able to do anything. Um, but we, all, but most of the time, it's it's usually one of those two meanings uh, of when we look at fear or being afraid, uh, different things like that. And so, uh, God, though, as we looked in this verse, has not given us a spirit of fear, and He does not want Christians living in terror as our verse real, reveals tonight. And uh, as October draws closer to the end of the month, gruesome and horrible things start to appear all over in the different businesses and shops. You see, we live in a culture uh, that promotes fear. Uh, it promotes horror and gore around the Halloween holiday. It has become a holiday of fear. The scarier, the demonic, or bloody the decorations and the costumes are, the better. And the same goes for the movies and entertainment that is watched. You know, this is something that uh, God is, is not pleased with when Christians glorify death and witchcraft. See, God is not a God of the dead. 
He is a God of the living, as I mentioned earlier this morning. To honor and love death is loving the exact opposite of who God is. When you put your focus and your, your attention on the things of, of, of the demonic rather than the things of godly, you've got the wrong affection. You've got the wrong affection. And it's something that God is not pleased with. Christians today are so desensitized to blood and violence, and instead they enjoy watching it happen on TV. In fact, it sometimes doesn't even scare them. And if it, if it didn't scare them, or uh, it wasn't then a good show. You know, most of the, the world today, the, the, the gorier and the bloodier it is, the better of a movie. And it's really sad how things have progressed to that point. Satan has convinced the world that ghosts, demons, and spirits don't really exist. And that they're just make-believe, like the boogeyman that parents told their children about in order to make them behave. They're just a, they're just a fabrication. But as this month gets darker, let your heart not be afraid of what you see around you and what the devil delights in during his holiday. Sixty-two times throughout Scripture it says, Fear not. Fear not. And tonight I want to look deeper into fear and what God tells us about it and what we're supposed to do with it. The first thing we're going to learn about tonight, though, is that fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. Uh, When you become a born-again Christian, God gave you Himself to dwell within you as the Holy Spirit. He didn't put fear inside of you. Instead, He took the fear of hell, took the fear of damnation uh, from you. Instead, gave you His power, His peace, His love, and a sound mind. This is the change that the Gospel brings to Christians and those who turn and give their lives to Christ. Look at our verse again, First Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's nowhere in Scripture where God gives us a spirit of fear. If anything, that is what the devil does. Look at, let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse number 25. John 14, verse number 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm thankful that God doesn't say, you know what, um, I've spoken these things, but I'm going to send a terrorizer. You know, he's going to torment you. He's going he's to bring you um, uh, fear, and he's going to bring you uh, worry, and he's going to bring you trouble. No, that's not what God brings, does he? He brought the comforter. The comforter takes away the fear. The comforter takes away uh, the feelings of, uh, of, of anxiety and, and different things that we feel that 
Because God gives us peace. And it's not just a, a, um, a temporal peace. He says the peace that He gives us is His peace. Not the, what the world can give, but it's the peace that comes through Christ. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is Jesus telling this to His, his disciples here before uh, He's going to be crucified. And because they're going to go through some pretty frightening times. I mean, they're going to be seeing their, their Messiah, their, uh, the one they love the most, going to be captured and he's going to be beaten and he's going to be crucified. And they're going to be hiding in an upper room, terrified that they're next. And he's telling them, look, don't be afraid. No matter what happens, it's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Everything's going to be okay. These disciples needed to hear this. A perfect illustration of this peace and that that's not a fear from God is also given in Mark chapter 5. Let's go there real quickly. Mark chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. Let's look at it more in depth tonight. Verse number 1 says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea and into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Uh, because um, he, sorry, because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, <clears throat> and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it to the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. The people were afraid. When you look at this story, this man, he has been tormented, absolutely tormented by these devils. Uh, they have destroyed his life. They have made him his life a life of misery. I mean, he is living in the tombs. Uh, he is completely bound. That, you know, uh, the people have tried to bind him with chains and with fetters, and he kept on breaking them out because he was a torment to the people. 
because these devils would drive him out and, and probably cause him to do some things that he, re- he, he regretted. And the, look for verse number 5, though. It says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. He was looking for somehow to, some way of giving him some peace to take away uh, the, this anxiety, this, this fear that he's been having, these torments because of these demons and these, uh, these devils that were within him. And then when Jesus came, he healed him completely. I mean, you see such a, a stark difference between what he used to be compared to what happens after Jesus changes somebody. When salvation comes, it's a, it's a wonderful picture of salvation. Because oftentimes, weren't we the same way to a degree? Yeah, we may not be in the, in the position this demoniac was, but there was times in our life that we were in fear, that we were tormented, uh, by our own heart, by the things that were around us. And as we were tormented, we were looking for peace somewhere, somehow. And that's when God gave us peace, was through salvation. When He gave us that peace, it was absolutely perfect. See, God saved you from the bondage of fear. See, fear cripples people into being unable to function and it breaks their spirit. This is why the world uses fear-mongering to control people. You see that with weather, climate change, with the economy, with diseases that break out, um, all the constant reports of, uh, on rape and murder, etc. I mean, you see it in the news. All they do is they, they, they show the bad stuff, don't they, a lot of times? Because they, they get people so worried and, and fearful about what's going on outside that it, it keeps them under control. It's all a control tactic. I mean, can you, I remember when the swine flu first came out and the bird flu and all these other different flus that came out, people were terrified. I mean, absolutely terrified to even shake somebody's hand because, you know, they were, they were afraid that they could contra- contract this, this flu. And uh, because of, of what the media had, had blown it way out of proportion. I mean, you look at all these different you know, hurricanes and storms and things like that. Every single one that follows is now the biggest hurricane in history. <laughs> you know, Because they're, they're trying to get people afraid um, of what is coming, is coming and happening. Um, but before you were saved, the world kept you in bondage to your fears. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse number 15. Paul writes here, for we have, or for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. See, when we became a Christian, when we were born again believer, God took away that fear. And He said He gave us His peace. But the devil still wants to get you back underneath His power. And so he will terrify you. He will bring in fearful things around you to kind of to try to bring you back into bondage, to where you are afraid to be a witness, where you're afraid to live as a Christian. You're afraid of what people are going to say. 
You're afraid of, of the changes that, that God wants to make in your life to, to make you more like uh, Christ. And so he brings in the, the, the fears to try to, to keep you in bondage. And that's why Paul is writing here to the Romans that, look, God didn't give you the spirit of bondage again to fear, but that you become a child of God. So we don't need to be bound in fear. We don't have to live in fear. A Christian should not live in fear. If anything, we should live in peace because that is what God has given to us. You see, God loves you so much and He does not want you to be afraid. He has given you His love and it is through His love that we get comfort, we get victory, and we are made perfect. When our hearts draw close to God, He removes the fear that comes uh, from life and He casts it aside. See, God knows that fear torments His children and that it's a tool that Satan uses very well to keep people afraid to do anything for the Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And verse number 18. It's very easy to become afraid. It's very easy to become fearful because there are so many things around us that are terrifying. But look at 1 John 4.18. John here writes, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. What are you trying to say? John here is saying is that when your fellowship with God is where it's supposed to be, you're not going to be experiencing fear. You'll be able to live life not looking over your shoulder and wondering, wonder if I'm going to make it through the day. That you, you can rest that God's going to take care of you. That God's going to make sure that, that you are safe. It's that trust that no matter what happens, Lord, God is in control. It's trusting into Him. It's trusting in His love. Uh, and the more that you draw close to Him in that love, He takes away those fears. takes away that anxiety. Uh, drawing close to God and trusting Him removes the fear that is in our hearts. You see, God is our strength. And He gives us the courage to face our fears. Giving our fear to Him and trusting in His protection will help take away our fears. Turn with me a couple of places here. Look at Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. Verse number 2. Isaiah is writing here, he said, Behold, God is my salvation. Same testimony that we have today, isn't it? God is our salvation. He says, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. See, Isaiah has gone through some times where he's been afraid. Where he's been terrified. I mean, he's living in a time where it is, uh, you know, 
it's very fearful to become to be a follower of Jehovah, of God the Father. He's preaching to people in the, the, the lost ten tribes, uh, the ones who have turned their back on God, and he's been trying to tell them, look, you need to get right with God. Not a very popular message back in those days. And I'm sure there's been times where he, he faced persecution and was afraid. But then he reminds himself, he said, look, no matter what goes on around me, God is my salvation. God is who I'm trusting in. That's who's going to keep me safe and secure. I'm not going to be afraid because I am God's. Because the Lord Jehovah is my strength, and He's also His song. It's what's on His heart. It's what He talks about, what He sings. He's reminded that no matter what He goes through, that if He just trusts the Lord, that He'll take away that fear. Let's go to Psalm chapter 56. Psalm 56. A few pages to the left. Psalm 56. Psalm 56 is a psalm written by David when the Philistines took him in Gath. Verse number 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David had no idea what was going to happen to him. And yet, even though he was afraid, he said, you know what? I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to trust in God that he's going to take care of me. Let's go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Verse number 4. Look at verse number 3 as well. Verse number 3 says, O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. How many fears? All of his fears. Because he went and he sought the Lord. He, he, he dwelt and he drew close to the Lord and the Lord took him. Let's go ahead and go to um, Luke chapter 12, verse number 7. As you're turning there, we'll go to our next point. First of all, fear is not from God. Secondly, worry is fear. Worry is fear. See, God knows everything that you're going through and what your needs are, as well as your dreams and desires. And yet, He cares more for you and your needs than the beasts of the earth. We looked at this more earlier this morning. But Luke twelve seven. this is Luke's account of it. But here Jesus is saying, He said, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. God knows what you're going through. God knows your cares. He knows your needs. He knows what's going on in your life. So don't be afraid. Because God knows that you have some things that you need. And if God's going to take care of the sparrows, He can take care of you as well. And He can take care of you intimately. Meaning, He knows the very numbers of the hairs on your head. He really does. He knows what's... He, he's a part of your life and He cares so much for you. 
that you're of great more value than the sparrow. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're having a hard time with, whatever stress or burdens that you're carrying, He knows all about them. He knows them. But don't let them overbear you. Give them to the Lord. See, worry and anxiety are forms of fear in our heart and in our mind. When you're worried about something, you're saying that God is not in control of whatever the situation is that you're concerned about. See, worry lets your mind race with every possible situation that could go wrong. Rather than trusting God that no matter what happens, it is according to His plan. We've all been there. We've all been there. We've had something maybe come up in our life and and immediately, isn't that what our mind does? We think of the worst possible situation. And we think, oh man, what's going to happen here? You know, what's this person going to say? What's this, how's this going to unfold? How's this job interview going to go? And we worry and we stress ourselves out so much, don't we? To the point where we're we're not at rest. We're actually very tense. We're very, uh, we're not, there's no peace. And we allow this worry to consume us. See, there's a couple of things that worry does. First of all, worry steals your joy. Worry steals your joy. Your heart becomes so focused on what could happen wrong rather than what good is actually happening. The good that's happening in your life. Your worry takes away that joy that you're having now with your, with your daily life and now becomes you're so focused on, the, on what could happen, it steals your joy. In Genesis chapter 32, we won't go there for time, uh, Jacob is, uh, he sends word to his brother Esau that he's coming back. And Esau's response is he starts going to come after Jacob and he's bringing a bunch of soldiers to kill him. And the last time that Esau and Jacob were together was not a good thing. It was very, very troubling. And uh, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob fled. Um, So Jacob was coming back. And um, while he was, when he he hears that his brother is coming, Jacob then begins to, to send a bunch of gifts, a bunch of herds and animals and different things to on the way to his his uh, his brother kind of in between but then in verse number seven of chapter 32 it says then jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands he knew his brother was coming to kill him and he was worried and so he began to think, okay, I've got to, this is how I've got to figure out this situation. If my brother comes, he's going to attack me and kill me. Uh, I'm going to make sure that, that some of my children are over here, some of my children are over here. He, he's trying to work this out in his head that the worst case possible scenario. And rather than going to the Lord in the first place and giving it to him. Now, he eventually does that. And God ends up, making this a great reunion between the two brothers. But you see Jacob's fear. You see his worry. That he's worried that what could happen. See, worry robs your present peace because your focus is on the future what-ifs and troubles. And worry is opposite of faith. 
when you react with worry, you are re- not reacting in faith. Your worry cannot fix or solve what you're afraid of to begin with. All it does is stress you out over things beyond your control. Now, it's understandable because we are finite and unable to see the future. The unknown terrifies us. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in two hours from now. We don't know what's going to happen in an hour from now. We have no idea. And because we don't know, it's so hard for us to cope with that sometimes. That's why we have to lean upon the Lord and trust the Lord that He's going to take care of whatever situation in our lives that we're going through because He does know. He knows what's going to happen the rest of the day. We can't allow worry to, to... to ruin our lives. And our worry doesn't fix the situations. If anything, it just makes them worse. Because we think, because then we're, we're, we're not happy. Uh, we're, we're not peaceful. We're tense. We're anxious. You know, um, we're having, we have difficulties health-wise. It's proven that worry and anxiety ruin our health. They've, they've proven it. That's why God doesn't want us to deal with it. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to have this anxiety. But to get victory over worry, we must instead step out in faith and trust the Lord to take care of the situation. He knows about it anyway, and nothing happens by accident with God because He is in control of everything around us. He even uses unpleasant situations and events for good, even if we don't understand them at the time. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Psalmist here says in verse number one, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, or sorry, upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Look at verse number 7. He says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now, it's not talk about fixed as in something's broken and you're fixing something. (laughs) That's not what this word fixed means. This word fixed means it is firmly set. In other words, you're not moving it. It's not budging. No matter what you try to do, it's not going to move. And so this righteous man, he's trusting in, in the Lord completely so much that no matter what he goes on through life, no matter what, uh, verse number 7, um, you know, actually, sorry, um, verse number, yeah, verse number 7, he says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. So even though some bad news comes, it's not going to move his heart. It's not going to give him fear. 
because his heart is completely fixed upon the Lord, trusting in the Lord. Verse number 8 says, His heart is established. He shall not be afraid till he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. You know, one thing that most lost people wish they had is peace. Peace. And when you're trusting in the Lord and you're letting God have the situations in your life, God gives you that peace. And it is, and it is all over your face. When people see that, they see a, a calmness that they just don't have. And it's something that most people desire more than anything else. Because this world is so full of fear. Lastly tonight, be not afraid of others. One of the things that we fear about most in this present age is violence. We're afraid of being attacked by strangers, whether in our home and when we're out and about. See, our culture has promoted that fear by focusing on it so greatly And instead of being able to to walk or sleep in peace, we're afraid that something's going to happen. Here's where worry comes back into the problem. We worry that something bad will happen to us rather than trusting the Lord for protection and being able to have a peaceful night's sleep. Now, this doesn't mean not locking your door at night, okay? Uh, Or setting an alarm if you have an alarm. Or taking precautions to keep your home safe. It's not saying you're being foolish if you do that. What it's meaning is don't let the fear of somebody possibly breaking into your car or into your house at night steal the peace that you have and a good night's rest. There are people who probably are are fearful that someone's going to barge through the door any moment. There's people that live in that terror, in that fear, and we don't have to live that way. It doesn't mean also going and putting yourself in places or situations where something could happen. Uh, don't you know? I, I recommend don't being out after 10 p.m. alone if you're able to avoid it, whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, people are the wrong kind of people are out usually that time of night, and they're looking to take advantage of people some way or somehow. The world is not a place to be reckless in, and we're not supposed to tempt God. You know, he, we're not supposed to say. Well, I'm just going to do this anyway because, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. That's, that's, that's being foolish. That's tempting God. And we're not supposed to tempt God. You know, the, it's very popular in our culture today where nobody is at blame for their wrong actions. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, people who go out partying and, and drinking and clubbing and going to the nightclubs and all that kind of stuff till 1, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning... They're intoxicated. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're at. Of course they're going to be taken advantage of because they're an easy victim. They're easy prey. But no, you can't say that in this country because no one's at fault. Because, you know, uh, they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. You know, it's not their fault that they got attacked. Well, actually it is. You're in the wrong place and the wrong time. There are places that Christians should not go to. There are places that Christians should not be at. And there are certain times where Christians should not be 
in places where they could be hurt. God gives you wisdom. God gives you understanding. He'll show you and reveal to you, okay, maybe I shouldn't be in this place. You know, it's not good for a Christian to be in a nightclub. There's a lot of bad things that happen there. I shouldn't be out in the bars. You shouldn't be out getting intoxicated and, and, and drunk and, and losing their, their ability to, to, to think because they're going to get taken advantage of and the enemy's going to attack. Got to be careful. Uh, Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? See, we live in a time where you have to be careful about what you say to people. Satan does not want people telling others about the gospel and will use intimidation by fear and mocking to stop them. But it's during those times that we must speak up for God the most. Uh, Look at Ezekiel chapter 2 real quick. We're almost finished. Ezekiel chapter 2. Here you see God's call to Ezekiel. And what Ezekiel's job was going to be that God is commanding him to do. It wasn't going to be an easy one. You know what? We're, we're supposed to be just like Ezekiel here. God may send us to talk to some people that are going to be difficult to talk to. That don't want to hear the message of the gospel. That don't want to hear that they're a sinner. That because of their sin, they're on their way to hell. They don't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. But it's the truth. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2, verse number 1. He says here, And he said unto me, this is Ezekiel writing, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, and I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation, that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are impudent children, and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house. Look how, how many times he's saying, these, are, these guys are rebellious. They're not listening. Um... It says, Yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. They weren't a very good people. They had turned their back on God. And yet, God was saying, okay, Ezekiel, I'm sending you to them. Not an easy job. Uh, Not an easy job at all. God even sent Jeremiah to those in Jerusalem, and they were wanting nothing to do with God. And Jeremiah actually said, you know what? I'm done speaking. I'm done. They're not listening. I want nothing to do with them. But he couldn't stop. The Word of God burned in his heart. He said, I can't stop. I can't just not speak. They've got to know. And here, Ezekiel, he's got a very unpopular message to a very rebellious people. 
They were once a godly nation. Now they're not. Kind of sounds like our culture today, isn't it? Ireland used to be a Christian nation. Yet now, it's becoming more worldly day by day. And now, as we look at Ezekiel's commission, we can also put our name in that as well. That's what God has called each one of us to do. We're supposed to speak to these rebellious people who want nothing to do with God. And we're supposed to even tell them, he says, look, if they listen, they listen. If they don't, I still need you to tell them. I still need to go. And if we're persecuted, we should rejoice rather than be afraid of them. 1 Peter 3.14 says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Kind of think here, how in the world can we be happy when <laughs> going through persecution? But there's a joy that God gives you as you go through it. Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw that he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. They were supposed to kill him. They were supposed to uh, throw him into the river Nile. And they didn't. They didn't. They instead kept him and they hid him uh, because they weren't going to allow, uh, they weren't going to follow this, this wicked rule. Lastly, tonight, always remember that those who are with Christians are more than those who are against them. So make a stand for the gospel and righteousness. See, there's a spiritual battle all around us, and God's host is all around us, even if we cannot see. It is then that we must take action in faith. I love this picture. I found it this this uh, this afternoon, and it is really good because it shows you. Look, we've got we've got God has given us His angels to protect us, to watch over us. And there's a spiritual warfare that's going on that we don't see. And there's, things, there's times that God has, has got to, to protect us, and He does. But when our, the enemy attacks and when the enemy tries to persecute us, uh, God does protect us. Uh, we don't have time to go there, but 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 talks about when Elisha was, was, uh, was in a city in, in uh, some, uh, Samaria, wanted to destroy, not Samaria, Syria, wanted to, to attack and destroy him because um, he kept on giving away the secrets of attacking Israel. And uh, they didn't like that. And so he said, well, we're going to go attack Elisha. And uh, they surround the city where Elisha is at. And his servant looks around and says, oh man, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're, we're doomed. We're dead. <laughs> There's no way we're escaping this situation. You know we're gonna we're gonna be destroyed, and uh, and Elisha he says in verse uh, chapter six verse sixteen he says, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And then he goes on and he prays and asks God to open the eyes of his servants, and God does, and and the servant sees the angelic host all around this city. That's where he says, they that are with us are more than them. I'm paraphrasing it. But, um, uh, and he realized, look, you know, there is a host around us that we don't see. But it is there. It is there. And when we do things and we stand for righteousness, God will protect us. He will guard us and watch over us. And so I just want to, in conclusion tonight, can I ask you, have you been struggling with fear 
or anxiety lately over some situations in your life or for your loved ones? Are you tired of letting these worries, these anxieties, these fears ruin your day and your life? If so, give it to the Lord. See, God wants to make you free from all fear because it's not what should govern a Christian's life. When you let fear, worry, and anxiety rule your life, you're not living by faith and letting God have the reins. Worry cripples so many Christians instead of living by faith and letting God be in control of all the details. It's one of the things that, that takes away a Christian's joy. It steals your joy and your peace and leaves you absolutely miserable, doesn't it? That's what God doesn't want you to live that way. When He saved you, He didn't save you to live in misery. He didn't, he didn't save you to live in fear and anxiety and worried about what's going to happen tomorrow and the future days. He gave you joy. He gave you love. He gave you a sound mind. Meaning a mind that is no longer clouded by the what-ifs. But that you can think clearly and, and trust Him. If a time comes when persecution arises, do not be afraid of them. God will enable you and give you strength to endure it and overcome it. But no matter what, when times of fear come, remember Isaiah 12:2 and be strengthened by it. And let's just go there real quickly and we'll finish with this last verse and close in prayer. It's a good scripture to memorize and a good scripture to ponder, meditate on. It's one that we need to have deep in our heart. Isaiah writes, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Think about that verse tonight. Think about it this week. Is He your strength? Is He your salvation? Is He your song? Is He what gives you joy? You know, when you're going through life, do you have a song in your heart about what God has done for you? About what God is doing in your life? It's good encouragement. It'll keep the fear away. When you're singing praises to the Lord and, and rejoicing in Him, it's hard, to be a, it's hard to worry about some things, isn't it? When your focus is on the Lord. It's good to have that, that oper- those, those in our life when we're having those times of worry and fear. Have that song. Trust the Lord. Turn to Him. And, um, and He'll give you that peace. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and we'll be finished. Father, we do thank You, Lord, again tonight. There's so much in, in Your Word that deals with fear and, uh, and how to get victory over fear. And Lord, it's not something that should condemn or control a Christian. Lord, that's what, that's what Satan used before we were saved. He kept us in fear about what other people thought. He kept us in fear about what, uh, um, what's going to happen in our eternity. Uh, we didn't know if, you know if we were good enough to be able to, to get to heaven. 
um, try to keep us in bondage of, of what other people were doing in our life. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful that when you saved us, you took away all those fears. Lord, I, know I, no, I no longer have to wonder, am I going to heaven? You know, Am I going to have to worry about going to hell? I don't have to fear that no more because I know because of what your promises are in your word. And that's one of the great things about reading your word is that we learn so many promises. It takes away a lot of our fears about the unknown, the uncertainty. And Lord, I just pray that tonight maybe someone got comfort. Lord, I know this world is, is a frightening place. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And I know we all have family and loved ones that aren't here. And it's easy to worry about them. Lord, help us to have faith. Help us to trust You that You're going to take care of the situations. That no matter what happens, You're in control. And that everything will work out towards the good. Because that's what You've promised in Your Word. And Father, I do thank You so much again uh, for that great peace that You have given to us. Help us to just cling to it. Help us to, to live it in our lives. Father, we thank You so much again for Your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.